0: To try that. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan blackman Show. We got a good one planned for you today. I am super duper excited for today because not only is today Wednesday, November 18th, it is NBA draft day. Now, if you're a fan of the Bulls or another bad team like myself, draft day, when it comes around and your team's in the lottery, it's a very fun day. Maybe not the The later parts of the lottery, those aren't really, people usually get excited for that. For the NBA draft, it's one of those weird things where most people only care about the lottery, (laughs) at least for me, I I shouldn't speak for all NBA fans, but for me anyways, the lottery is where I pay attention and the rest of it, I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good player, that's good, because the NBA is weird, more than other sports sports. You can be garbage in college and put up garbage numbers, but if you have high potential, you'll be drafted high. Look at Dragon Bender. He averaged like three points a game for Makai Tel Aviv or whatever team he played for in Israel, and he got drafted like fourth or third overall. Like, you could be, you could have the worst stats ever and still get drafted in the first 10 and be considered like, oh, this dude's going to be good someday because you look at his stats and it's, not great, but look at the athletic ability. Look at the potential. Now you don't see that in any other sport really, especially in the NFL. the NFL, it goes off of how you did in college usually. and you'll get drafted fairly high if you ball out. but if you ball out, you're not guaranteed to get drafted number one overall. Like Luca Garza, who would have been who was in the running for the Naismith award for the best player in college basketball this past year. Some scouts even said he wouldn't get drafted. How many other sports would a guy who wins the best player in college basketball not, or be best player in your sport, or wins the Heisman, doesn't get drafted? You'd have to go back to like Jason White in college football, or Charlie Ward. But those two, Jason White had no knees, essentially, because they were so bad and he kept getting injured every other game. And then Charlie Ward was stuck between playing basketball and football, and ultimately got drafted in the first round by the New York Knicks. So those are like odd-off scenarios of a player winning the Heisman and then not even getting drafted or even getting talked about getting drafted. If you win the Heisman, you're pretty much locked in as a top-ten pick, at least most of the time. Like If you look at the last few winners of the Heisman Trophy, Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, all went number one overall recently. And then the year prior, who won the Heisman and – oh, crap. Now, Lamar Jackson's an interesting scenario because people didn't know if they wanted to play him at quarterback or wide receiver. No, he balled out as a quarterback when the Heisman as a quarterback did all that great stuff as a quarterback. We're going to move positions. But, yeah, the NBA just goes all off potential, which is good and bad. Because if you look at, like, I think Harry Giles was the number one recruit in the nation when he came out of high school didn't put up any good numbers at Duke, and then still got drafted in the first round because he used to be the number one overall recruit in the nation. Like, that's such a weird thing. And Harry Giles has done very good in the NBA. He's been a very serviceable at best player, but nothing really spectacular that screams, oh yeah, that's a first round player right there. So you have high potential. There's a very good chance you're going to get drafted in the top 10 or at least in the first round. And there's only two rounds in the NBA draft, but... Yeah, it's weird. The NBA draft is just a weird phenomenon. Now, also, along with the NBA draft, we got some NFL stuff to talk about as well. Monday Night Football happened the other night. And, um, yeah, Matt Nagy gave up the play calling. And I watched this clip from in My Take this morning. They posted it on Twitter. It was Big Cat, who, for those of you don't know, is a massive Chicago Bears fan. It reminds me a lot, as far as Bears fandom goes, as my good friend Spencer. Very similar style of the Bears are their favorite while also being their least favorite NFL team of all time, which is very, a very weird life to live, but it makes sense. If you watch the Chicago Bears this year, you would get where I'm coming from when I say that, or where most Bear fans come from when they talk about how much they absolutely despise their own team. <laughs> the Bears offense, and I cannot stress this enough, is atrocious. Bears offense is terrible. Everything about the Bears' offense is terrible. It doesn't help when you're going down to the last drive of the game and your starting quarterback, Nick Foles, gets hurt and gets carted off the field, and apparently now it wasn't that serious of an injury. Matt Nagy gave up the play calling to Bill Lazor, former quarterback coach for the Bengals, maybe offensive coordinator as well, but I know he's the quarterback coach because that's why when when we talked about possible quarterback landing spots, this is where I had Andy Dalton going because of the fact that Bill Lazor was there. They worked together in Cincinnati, and yes, I think even though Andy Dalton has struggled with not only being hurt, but also with his play in Dallas has struggled, he would have been a better option in Chicago than Nick Foles. Andy Dalton is a better quarterback than Nick Foles. I don't really think that is speaking like outlandish or anything. I think that's a very easy statement, a very easily provable statement. Nick Foles is one of the best situational quarterbacks in the NFL. Horrible starter. He got paid, like, what was it, four years, $88 million to go down to Jacksonville, got hurt, lost his starting job as soon as he came back. He's not a great starting quarterback. Saw what happened in St. Louis and then Los Angeles and then in Kansas City, he was a backup. And then post that one really weird year in Philly where he threw, like, 27 touchdowns and two picks, he was not a good starter. He's a good situational guy, great situational guy, but he's not a starter he's so limited in what he can do he's a massive human beings like six foot six or something which always blows my mind but he's a statue out there he is not mobile whatsoever he is a freaking statue and that is not a good thing and in today's nfl that's what we are kind of going away from like if you looked back 20 years ago when the teams are getting teams are drafting quarterbacks you saw a lot of statue quarterbacks Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, like other quarterbacks along the Ryan Leaf. I mean, Ryan Leaf was pretty athletic when he got drafted, but generally, Jeff George, another one. This was a little longer ago. Like you don't see the immobile pocket passer, Dan Marino, immobile pocket passer. You don't. You didn't really see that the mobility in quarterbacks being that important of a skill set. Now height has been axed off because you look at the likes of Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, getting balling out with the NFL, we'll talk about Kyler Murray a little bit as well, and you don't really see the likes of the Peyton Manning's getting dropped, you have to be mobile to play the position, and Nick Foles is, other than Brady, I think Nick Foles is the most immobile quarterback in the NFL, which is saying something, because he's very immobile, and Ryan Pace, GM of the Chicago Bears, will more than likely, at least I would assume and hope for Chicago Bears fans' sake, that he loses his job this offseason, because Matt Nagy, this is what Big Cat was talking about on part of my take this morning, was that Matt Nagy gave up the offensive play calling it C, to basically say, see, it's not me, that's the problem, it's Ryan Pace that's completely screwed over this roster. It's not the offensive play calling. It's the players that Ryan Pace has been giving us. And that's why we suck and can't score at all until the fourth quarter. At least in most of the games. Like, if you look at the Bears, I think this season, this was before Monday Night Football. They scored 80-something points in the first three quarters. And then 90-something points in the fourth quarter. I don't know how long of a stretch that was. It might have been the entire season. But their offense is awful and if Cordell Patterson Cordell Patterson's in the game it's going to him 90% of the time it's going to Cordell Patterson which is crazy and getting it they're gonna get a new quarterback this offseason because they're gonna go like oh Matt Nagy needs his quarterback every coach wants to draft their own quarterback so Matt Nagy will get a Zach Wilson or Kyle Trask in the first round and then look on paper at least on I level, like, oh, everything's going to be fine. We got a starting quarterback now. Everything kind of sorts itself out. But there is so much other problems with this team that you got to get a new G. The GM needs to go. Ryan Pace has done, I saw this on Twitter, has done all the main things to get a quarterback. Signed one in free agency, Mike Glennon, drafted one, Trubisky, and traded for one in Nick Foles. He's done all three of the things you do to get players in the NFL and got them all at quarterback. And they have all sucked. They have all been terrible. Trubisky had flashes, but again, that was masked by how great the Chicago Bears defense was and that carried them to an 11-5 record because you saw the complete drop-off the year after. And you see how stagnant their offense is. And you you think that when you talk to Bears fans and just average NFL fans that this team that I am talking about has like two wins on the season. But no. This team, the Chicago frickin' Bears, with their completely stagnant, boring, monotonous offense, are above 500. Well, no, I guess they're 500 now. They're 5-5. Five and five. And I went on Cole and Company when the Bears were 5-1, and one, right before I think they played the Los Angeles Rams, and said the last time the Bears were 5-1, and one, they missed the playoffs. Now, that team went 10-6, and six, yet missed the playoffs. This Bears team will not scare 10 wins. I know a lot of people are saying that because you know how reactionary we are. Like, oh, man, look how great they're playing and how they're coming from behind and beating these amazing, amazing NFL franchises. You see them beating the likes of the Lions, Giants, Falcons. Oh, my God, the Panthers. And then somehow, I don't know how this happened, but beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like, all of those teams, minus the Buccaneers, are below 500 teams. Like if you look at all the teams that we just mentioned there, the Panthers three and seven, the Falcons three and six, the Lions four and five. Who else did we mention along that list of teams that the Bears have beaten this year? Okay, the Bucks seven and three. But again, I don't understand how that game happened. I am confused on how that happened. And Then the Giants, as well. The Giants are three and seven. Somehow the Giants are tied for first in the NFC East. Which shows how bad the NFC East is this year. Three and seven, New York Giants tied for first in the NFC East. Now the Eagles technically still have the lead because they played one less game and have less losses than the Giants, but on wins, they are equal, which is very very depressing for the NFC East. And the Cowboys, good lord, if this if they're not going to pay Dak this offseason, I'd be shocked. This proves how much they need Dak. Dak. I know there's a thing called empty stats, and that's kind of what Dak was doing at the beginning of the year because it's more of the fact that they're playing from behind because of how bad their defense is. So Dak's still in the top half of the league, beating a lot of very talented quarterbacks and passing yards this year. The Cowboys suck, <laughs> just to put it bluntly. I had them going ten and six. They're already two and seven, and I, I don't even know if I could see them winning five games this year. This team's too talented to be this bad, but. They're awful. They are awful. Will Mike McCarthy get the heave-ho after one year? Maybe. Colts defensive coordinator Matt Eberfluss was linked to the Cowboys last offseason, or a few offseasons ago, whatever, and he has coached for the Dallas Cowboys, so maybe look for the Cowboys to get him or promote Kellen Moore to be the offensive coordinator or be the head coach from offensive coordinator. Like, they suck. They are awful. One team that doesn't suck is the Arizona Cardinals, but now this is... Uh, something that's get talked, getting talked about quite a bit in sports media with the people lowering the bills after losing to the Cardinals and like power rankings and all that, and the Bills getting lowered behind the Dolphins because they lost a game to the Cardinals. This game, the the re- the Bills lost this game, but that is not an overall damning argument that the Bills are a worse team than the Cardinals. Cardinals got a lucky hail mary at the end of the game that. The team, they were, Okay, put it, put it this way. The Bills had that game won and got the win taken away from them because of the amazing catch by DeAndre Hopkins. Now, yes, I said the amazing play and catch by DeAndre Hopkins because the quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers gets this way too much too. Why do the quarterbacks, and this is something that grinds my gears a little bit, why do the quarterbacks get the credit for the Hail Mary? Like, I saw a screenshot of DeAndre Hopkins with the catch around the three Bills defenders and some Oklahoma Sooners fan going, Murray magic. Kyler Murray's not even in the picture. Kyler Murray threw the ball 50 yards. It's not like that's a very difficult throw. I can throw 50 yards. Now that's all my might behind a throw. That's just a little flick of the wrist for like 90% of the NFL quarterbacks out there. Most college quarterbacks as well. Why is Ky- Kyler, threw threw the triple coverage. That's not a brilliant play from Kyler Murray. Aaron Rodgers does the same thing. Like, I don't get why quarterbacks get so much praise for launching a ball towards the end zone and hoping and praying that this ball gets caught by my receiver and not the defender. And realistically, it should have been picked off by Trey White, but he got bumped by Jordan Poyer, who mistimed his jump. And again, I want to stress this. I'm not going to be bashing the Bills defenders on this play whatsoever. Whatsoever am I going to bash the Bills defenders because it's just a once-in-a-lifetime play by DeAndre Hopkins, who has the best hands in the NFL, who has a streak of not-drop passes that was an NFL record. I don't know if he still holds the NFL record, but he did for a fairly long time. And it just overall, in this game, neither quarterback played particularly well. Josh and Kyler, neither one of them played great. Kyler made some bad throws. Josh made some bad throws. Kyler beat the Bills... By the read option play. And the Bills just couldn't stop that. And Cliff Kingsbury. Good God. I do not understand. And I said this when he got hired. I still don't understand how this man is a head coach. Like the Cardinals. Right after Josh threw an interception. The Cardinals. All they needed to do is run the ball. Kenny Drake had over 100 yards rushing in the game. I'm pretty sure he did. Kyler Murray had like 60-70 yards rushing in the game. With two rushing touchdowns. On the next drive after Josh throws an interception, the Cardinals throw it three times. Why? You're winning the game. You, The Bills aren't able to stop the run. They haven't been able to stop the run all year. Why are you throwing the ball? And, of course, it went to three incompletions so the Bills didn't even need to use any of their timeouts. It's like, what is your thinking here, Cliff? You got fired at college. You took the USC offensive coordinator. job. It's not even another head coaching job in college. And then somehow linked that together to eventually become the head coach of the Arizona freaking Cardinals. I don't get it. I know he's like he knows Sean McVay. And the, the, the trend in the NFL for head coaches to get these young, offensive minded guys and we'll go off to the promised land. And he's got Kyler Murray. He's getting carried by Kyler Murray. You saw what he did at Texas Tech. He's put up we had a lot of fun, but we lost. We put up great numbers, but we lost. Who cares? He's not that good of a head coach. And the game planning that they had, they got so lucky at the end of the game. And this is the old adage, it's better to be lucky than good. And I believe in that saying 100%. And that's exactly what the Cardinals got in this game. Now, this reminds me of when Marcus Page, former Linmar player and former North Carolina Tar Heel, made a shot in the NCAA championship against Villanova that looked like it sealed North Carolina's championship. One of the greatest shots in NCAA tournament history. But then two seconds later, Villanova goes down and makes the greatest shot in the tournament history for, like, the 21st century. People forget about Marcus Page's shot because it wasn't the one that won the game. Josh's throw to Stephon Diggs against Patrick Peterson to to, to take the lead with 30 seconds left was an amazing throw, an amazing play. Josh Allen, since he's coming to the league in 2018, has 11 fourth quarter comebacks, or game when he drives, which so is tied for second in the league since he's come to the league. That was number 12, and that got taken away because Kyler Murray threw the ball 50 yards to DeAndre Hopkins, made a miracle play, and the initial reaction to when this happened was, oh my god, he caught it. I wasn't angry. I wasn't upset. I was just, just I was like, what, what are they supposed to... What? You never expect you never you see these plays happen a little bit every once in a while you see this play happen but you never expect it to be against your team so that was a really weird thing that happened in this game it took me back a little bit I was like whoa that that happened that happened crazy but Josh had a. Again, threw two interceptions in the game, but had a good overall game. Like, not great, nothing spectacular, but had a good game. And threw a beautiful pass to Diggs that looked like it sealed the game, and it didn't. And it's crazy because the quarterbacks are in the MVP conversation, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray. And then they threw it to their number one receivers, DeAndre Hopkins for Murray, Diggs for Allen. And they're both traded to the teams. Both of them are second, first and second in the league in re- receiving yards, Diggs in first. And then it was against the team's number one corner, Patrick Peterson, who Josh tested way too many times and got got <laughs> got beat by Peterson on one throw. You don't test Patrick Peterson tw- once, let alone twice, let alone three times, but then Josh went back at him again and threw a beautiful touchdown pass. De- uh, DeAndre Hopkins made the catch over Trey White. And you could see on some clips, like some of the screenshots and stuff, that Trey White had his hands on it. But again, when Jordan Poyer jumped, I think it shook Trey White off the ball. Because you could see a screenshot of uh, Trey White's hands like they, where they used to be around the ball. And the fingertips of Hopkins just has the ball. I think if Poyer doesn't jump there, I think Trey White comes away with the interception. But since he did that, his momentum got carried away from the ball, which got him pushed away from it. And on his, then it just happened the way it did. There's nothing really to complain about. It's just sit back and it happened and now they got a bye week and the bye week could not have come at a better time. So I'm good with the bye week coming this week. It's very exciting, very nice that the Bills have a bye week because they sure as hell need it. And mostly for Bills fans in general, they need the bye week after that. You need a little time to recover after losses like that. And I go into work Monday. I knew this was going to happen too. The first questions I get posed are about that game. <laughs> it's like I I don't know what to do. I don't know what to tell you. I knew this would happen and it did. But yeah, great game. Overall, great game. Nothing to really complain about just happened and got to move on from it. The Bills now 7 and 3, Cardinals 6 and 3, and the Dolph the thing that was worse rather than losing this game to the Cardinals is the fact that the Dolphins are now a half game behind the Bills because the Dolphins are 6-3. and three. Bills are 7-3. and three. Bills on their bye week this week. And Tua has looked pretty solid so far as the Dolphins' starting quarterback. Nothing fantastic, but he's looked good. He's looked good. He's not like Herbert or Burrow at this point in time, but he's looked very solid as the Dolphins' starting quarterback right now. And it makes me upset because I don't like that the Dolphins are good. <laughs> that's just a petty fan coming out and talk about a rival team the Dolphins I had them going six and ten they're six and three now I thought they'd need a year and then they'd be good next year because you could see the pieces were there Brian Flores is a great head coach and I know we talked about coach of the year and I said Mike Tomlin but Brian Flores really needs I think Brian Flores deserves it even though Mike Tomlin's undefeated with the Pittsburgh Steelers this year what Brian Flores has done to Miami as far as culture goes, as far as leadership goes, as far as playing style goes, Brian Flores has done wonders down in Miami. He's a very similar style coach to that of Sean McDermott, the head coach of the Buffalo Bills, where he's a defensive head coach, that's no nonsense, very structured, and the players respect him. And that's what Brian Flores is in Miami, same thing to uh, freaking Sean McDermott in Buffalo. Same thing as Marv Levy in Buffalo and Dodge Shula in Miami. It was the same style of things there. Two really good coaches battling against each other with two very talented teams. The Dolphins are only going to keep getting better. So they got first-round picks from the Texans. They got first-round picks from the Steelers. Now they utilized those its last draft. Got a starting quarterback, a starting left tackle, and another corner. So they've got talent and it makes me upset. Christian Wilkins there on the D line. Big run clogger there. Shaq Lawson and Kyle Van Noy coming over in free agency, signing Byron Jones, the biggest contracted cornerback history, having Xavier Howard already there, Devonte Parker, Austin Jackson who we talked about getting him in the draft. Tua Now the running game still needs a little work and you'd probably you'd like to get another wide receiver to partner Devonte Parker and Mike Gesicki, another really good tight end as well. And then we already talked about Brian Flores like this team is on the up and it makes me scared and makes me sad, which it's nice to have competition. It's nice to see the Patriots struggle, but I don't like to see the Dolphins doing good the same year as the Bills are doing. The Bills dropped a game against the Cardinals, beautiful play by DeAndre Hopkins. And now because of that, people drop the Bills in their power rankings behind the Miami Dolphins who people forget lost to the Buffalo Bills earlier this year and like the, the way the Cardinals won does not make them a better team than the Bills. Again, it's better to be lucky than good, and that was luck by the Cardinals and a great overall play by DeAndre Hopkins. But man, the Bills do not deserve to get dropped down power rankings because they lost on that. That's an insane thing to do, a dropping a team down in rankings. That's kind of it's kind of cruel. And also the things of I know Kyler Murray's having an amazing year. He'll be in the talks with the MVP. He won't win it, I don't think. I think it's Patrick Mahomes to lose at this point, who he said at the beginning of the year, so we're sticking with that. Got that. And yeah, I think he's gonna be in the running for it, but people saying that he's already better than Lamar Jackson. I know Lamar's not having the best year this year. But come on. Come on. I mean, are we are we that what are we done? What have you done for me lately? Thought, mindset right there. Is that really what we're doing here? Do we do we really need to go over what Lamar Jackson did last year? Like Lamar Jackson last year led the league in passing touchdowns, where Kyler Murray ranks thirteenth in passing yards and eleventh in touchdowns. Or maybe it's flipped. He led. He was broke an NFL rushing record. First quarterback in NFL history to throw for th- over three thousand rush for a thousand. I think he was the first quarterback to rush for a thousand. Maybe Vic did it once, but I think that my mind's my th- my thinking is Vic was very close, but never actually got past it. Got actually like around nine ninety or something, if I had to think about it. And about all the, oh yeah, we forget about this. Oh, t- I don't know how this escaped my mind. He was the second ever unanimous MVP in NFL history. Stop with the Lamar Jackson is worse than Kyler Murray at this point. Like that's ridiculous. Come on. Now do I who's faster? That's a more conversation that people can have, because neither one of them ran the 40. So we don't really know unless it's just off the eye test. Neither one Kyler didn't even participate in the combine. Lamar didn't run. So we never we don't know what their 40 times are. But man, stop. I know Lamar is not having an amazing year compared to last year. But seriously, you're already putting Kyler. What why? You can't He was the second ever unanimous MVP in NFL history. We're ranking him below a guy in his second year in the NFL. Come on. Come on. Really? No, we're not doing that. I love Kyler Murray. I respect Kyler Murray. I think he's a very good, talented quarterback, one of the best in the league. But we're not ranking him above Lamar. We can rank him above him this year, but the people that are saying he's a better overall quarterback is ridiculous and downright stupid. This year, yeah, sure, go ahead and say he's better. This year, he's done a better quarterback overall than Lamar Jackson. Stop that. Stop. Come on. we If we judge this in like two or three more years, then sure, he can pass him. But this year, Lamar's not even been that bad. And people are going, well, look, at the NFL's figured out Lamar Jackson. Watch some of the tape of Lamar Jackson this year. Come on, hey, this is stupid. Now again, I think that Murray will be in the running for the MVP. I think it's an all quarterback race, much as the Heisman Trophy. Like the quarterback race, it just in no just going in alphabetical order. I'm looking at the NFL standings right now. We'll go Josh Allen's in the running. Then you've got They'll probably throw Big Ben in there. I don't think Big Ben will win, but he'll probably get talked about in there. Mahomes will probably win it. Then we got Aaron Rodgers, Nick Foles, Tom Brady. Like, okay, I know I I did that on purpose. Stop it. And Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. I don't think Dalvin Cook or Alan Kamara will break into the MVP conversation. They'll get talked about. It's like Brees Hall in college football. Like He'll get talked about, but will he actually go to the be a finalist? No, I don't think so. Because in college football, the quarterbacks right now that are in the running for the Heisman, you got Trask, you got Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Trevor, Justin Fields. Those are the five finalists. Those are going to be the finalists. The people can have, oh, Brees Hall should have won this. Brees Hall's not going to be in the running. I'm sorry. He's not going to win it. Even no matter how much you'd like to, like to say he should win it or will win it, he won't. I'm telling you that now. Now, this could come back to bite me, but... You look at what Trask is doing. You look at what Mac Jones is doing. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, who I think will finish fifth, but is super talented. But the fact that he plays absolutely nobody's compared to the likes of Trask at Florida, Mac Jones at Bama, Fields at Ohio State, (laughs) Trevor Lawrence at Clemson. He won't win it. He'll probably come fifth. But great quarterback nonetheless. Very accurate, very mobile quarterback as well. If I'm going right now off Heisman and MVP, last week... Or the when we did this a little bit ago, I said Trevor Lawrence. I think I had Trask at number three, if I remember correctly. And then I dropped him out because he hadn't played in like a week or two or something like that, because they were out of COVID and all that. I would probably give it to Trask, if I'm being honest. Trask and then Mahomes for the NFL, but I'll talk about Trask a little bit, because not a lot of people watch a lot of Florida football, at least from the people I've talked to, don't really watch a lot of Florida Gators. Football, but if you watch some of the throws Kyle Trask makes, it is ridiculous. Some of the throws. He had five first half passing touchdowns against Arkansas and had six total in a beautiful throw to the corner of the end zone. This year, Trask, 2,100 yards, 28 touchdowns, and three interceptions. 28 touchdowns, three picks. That is impressive. That is very, very impressive. All the quarterbacks that are in the running, Jones, Will get talked about. Uh, 16 touchdowns, two picks, completes almost 80 percent of his passes. Throws a lot of deep balls. It's not a lot of checkdowns. He throws a lot of deep balls. Mac Jones does, but he's also thrown a lot less balls than Trask. But you could also say that they've played the same amount of games. I think, or maybe Mac Jones played one. I don't know. But then you've got who else? Zach Wilson, 75 percent, 22 touchdowns, two picks. But again, BYU. Doesn't really play a lot of people, so that will probably hurt him in the running and the fact that they probably won't be competing for national championships. Lawrence has been out for a little bit, and Fields has more touchdowns, total touchdowns and incompletions. So, yeah. Derek King could be in the running as well, how he's carried Miami this year. He should be in the running. Do I think he'll win it? No. Do I think he'll be a finalist? No. But I think he should get talked about a little more because of the stuff that he does for Miami Hurricanes is the main reason why Miami is even relevant. If you took, if you took this team and put Nikozai Perry back in the starting lineup as the quarterback or God forbid Tate Martell, this team is nowhere near where they are right now. Derek King is carrying this Miami football team. And if I had to bet, because the, as we talked about earlier, the height thing is coming out of not really getting talked about as much in the NFL anymore. It still gets talked about a little bit, but I could see him being a second, third round draft pick. He's not very big, which is the pro like weight wise either. So that will probably hurt him a little bit. But he could be a maybe fourth round if we're being honest, but somewhere around later round pick in the draft. But he's a very, very, very good college quarterback, and there could be six quarterbacks drafted in the first round this year because we haven't talked about Trey Lance, though his one game against Central Arkansas sucked. He'll still get talked about in the first round of the draft. He'll be a top 15 pick easily. Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields will go first and second. And then the rest you could throw up. You could, However you rank it, you want to put Trask, third, Lance, Wilson, whatever. Jones. Any of those orders work. I'm not going to be too picky on where you rank your starting quarterbacks in college football for the draft. But if I'm ranking my quarterbacks going into the draft, I'm going Lawrence Fields. Easily one and two. And I hate the people that are going, well, well, Dwayne Haskins sucks in the NFL. Oh, Troy Smith. Well, then, Dwayne, what, Justin Fields is not the same quarterback. So you're telling me you went draft Joe Burrow because Jamarcus Russell sucked? And how the other LSU starting quarterbacks have sucked coming into the NFL? You're telling me you went draft Joe Burrow because, oh, they had other quarterbacks there as well that were also bad. It's not the same quarterback. You're going to draft Aaron Rodgers because Kyle Bowler went there? What? Again, it's, they're not the same quarterback. Just because they went to the same school does not mean they're the same quarterback. Justin Fields is a 1,000 times the quarterback of Haskins and Troy Smith. And Troy Smith was a baller. He won the freaking Heisman. But as an overall quarterback, Justin Fields is better than Troy Smith. He's bigger. He's actually mobile. Dwayne Haskins, as we talked about with Foles, is a freaking statue, no matter how much Stephen A. Smith would like to say that he's a run-first quarterback. He's a statue. Was in college, is the NFL. Justin Fields is a beast. Justin Fields is easily the second-best quarterback in this class. Some would even argue that he's the best. Depending on the draft order or your team's needs, Justin Fields might be a better option than Lawrence, which is weird to say, but Fields is that good of a quarterback. Then also I would probably go Lance and then... Jones Wilson Trask for NFL quarterbacks maybe put Trask in, I don't know the last three you could order in any order you want and I'd be perfectly fine with it but you have to put Lawrence and fields at one and two I don't care who you order first or second those two are the best quarterbacks in this class bar none not even close those two are freaking ballers and I love watching both of them play and since we're on the topic of the draft we talked about touched on this a little bit earlier let's talk let's do the NBA draft So the NBA draft is a very interesting thing and it's snuck up on me this year, to be honest, because obviously the NBA season ended a lot later. So the draft has been pushed up till now. Oh jeez, until today at least. So how do we want to do this? Do I want to do like a full mock draft? I'm not gonna do a full mock draft, I'll do the lottery. And I might just even do the top four because I really don't care about the rest of the NBA draft. I haven't followed the draft process this year. So, not 1 through 60. (laughs) We ain't doing that. 1 through 14, lottery. I'm doing basketball.realgm.com. It's NBA Draft Simulator. If you want to do this before the draft tonight, go ahead and do it. I'm just going to do probably 1 through 10. I don't even think I'm doing 1 through whatever. But starting off, the number one overall pick, Minnesota Timberwolves. They have D'Lo and Carl Anthony Towns already there. Traded away Andrew Wiggins to Golden State. If you look at their depth chart right now, you got Malik Beasley, Jarrett Culver, who they drafted last year. But you, and then look at the power four position; they don't really got anybody there. Two through five, four, they've got nobodies there. Is D'Lo a point guard or a shooting guard? That could also be a talking point as well. But if you want a guy that will fill in a hole for this roster, that would and it's more of a I don't know, more of a surefire thing. To most people, if I was do if I had to look at this like this in the positions that they need, I would probably go. If I'm the Timberwolves, go with Anthony Edwards, number one overall. Uh, Anthony Edwards will fill that two or three position. I know he's only six foot five, but he could play either position. D'Lo could be the ball dominant guy. Now, if you don't want D'Lo to be the ball dominant guy, you can draft Lamelo Ball, number one overall. But I would suspect that. With the first overall pick tonight, they'll go with Anthony Edwards. I was in the, the camp of Mello, but I'm going to go with Anthony Edwards for this one. I have heard the Chicago Bulls are trying to trade up to number two to get Mello. Mello has been someone they get linked with quite a bit, even though Mello has not worked out with them. We see this a lot in the NFL and in basketball where... Players who don't meet with teams or even work out for them sometimes get drafted by them. If you have a set mindset of what this player is and what you think they are, then you're going to draft them, regardless if you beat them or not. And that might be the situation with the Bulls and Mellow here for this draft. But if it doesn't happen, and I've heard Wendell Carter getting linked with the Golden State Warriors with the trade to get up to number 2 from number 4, Bulls starting center right now. Would that be the greatest trade of all time? I don't know. I don't think I'd really like it, but Wendell Carter has been a little little tiny bit injury-prone, but I'd love for Wendell to stay on the Bulls. But if this means they get Anthony Davis, they go ahead. But if the Warriors stay at two, now this is no trades. If the Warriors stay at two, I think they'll draft James Weissman, the center from Memphis. They need a center. One through four, they're set. Curry, Thompson, Wiggins, Green. They just need a center. And... Even though they have the number two pick this year, they will be back at with a vengeance this year. With all their players back and healthy, it's going to be scary. If they get a center like Weissman, they'll be set. If, if they don't, if they trade back and get another good player, then that'll work too. But I think if they stay at two, they will draft James Weissman. And number three, I saw this on Twitter that they will draft him if he's available, and that's the Hornets taking LaMelo Ball. Now, if they draft or trade for Russell Westbrook, then that trade will be, that draft pick will be off. So just expect if they don't trade for Russell Westbrook, that trade will be off or this draft pick will be off. If they don't go with him, I don't really know where they would go from that spot. They're kind of linked with all the top three. I think the top three is locked in the order. Don't know, but I think Edwards, Wiseman and ball are the top three picks again. Don't know the exact order. But this is what I'm feeling right now, and just on position needs and all that stuff. And now the draft. This is this happened. What draft would we say this did? The 2015 or 16 draft? I think 2016 draft, where Goff and Wentz went number one and two. The Chargers started the draft, and no one really knew what the Chargers were doing. They were linked with the Forrest Ronnie Stanley, and Jalen Ramsey, and they ended up drafting Joey Bosa. So the draft really starts with. The Bulls in this case, which is kind of scary, but unlike past years, I trust this front office—a difference that than usual, which is different than usual. And with the fourth pick, the Bulls have been linked with a lot of different people. Melo's been someone they've been linked with heavily. They've been linked with Danny Avia, Avija a lot as well from Israel. People compare him to uh, Luka Doncic, and if you get anybody close to Luka Doncic, I think you find an absolute dub there. And then they've been linked with a lot. Patrick Williams from Florida State, who is a 2-3 combo player, maybe a 4. I think he lists at 6-9 or something like that. But on the draft side I'm looking at right now, he's listed as a shooting guard, which I don't think is right. But a player that I would really like. So Patrick Williams has been gaining steam. Avija will be one that will get linked with a lot. I want, now this is going to sound weird coming from me because I'm a lifelong Iowa Hawkeye fan, but I would take Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese Halliburton, now this is why I would take Tyrese Halliburton. He is the best distributor in this entire draft, bar none. I don't think that's very close. And if the Bulls want to... Okay, let's just restart that. The Bulls don't have anybody that is an assist-first kind of guy, or pass-first guy. They have a lot of scorers, like Zach Levine, Kobe White, Otto Porter, Markinen. Like, they have a lot of scorers. And the way I envision Kobe White for the Chicago Bulls, at least right now, is the Jamal Crawford mold of the combo guard that could come off the bench, give you 30 minutes and 17, 18 points a game. Lightest spark. And the Bulls, if they draft Halliburton, would start at the point guard spot for the Bulls. So you'd have a lineup of Halliburton, Levine, Porter, Markinen, and Carter, with Kobe White coming off the bench as the sixth man You would bring Kobe in for Wendell Carter, move him to the two, and then you'd have a lineup of... Halliburton, White, Levine, Porter, and Markkinen. six 7 foot tall, so he can play the center spot. Porter's around 6'9", Levine's 6'5", Kobe's 6'5", and then Halliburton's like 6'4", 6'3", 6'5", somewhere around there. I think he'd be perfect for what the Chicago Bulls want to do. If I'm being honest, I, I'm the Bulls, which I'm definitely not, and if he doesn't pan out, then that's the reason I'm not the head coach or, or the GM or whatever the Chicago Bulls. I would draft Tyrese Halliburton with the fourth overall pick if I'm the Chicago Bulls. That is what I would do, but the people they've been linked with a lot have been the likes of Avija, have been Patrick Williams, but everybody that I've heard, not talked to, would think that's a little bit of a reach for Patrick Williams, but... Yeah, we'll go to Sports Illustrated. I'm looking at mock drafts, see what other people are saying. CBS Sports had Obi Toppin going there. I've seen that ship's kind of sailed for me anyways. Patrick Williams going to SI. The Bulls website released a mock draft yesterday. They had Patrick Williams going to the Bulls. If the Bulls move up, it will be for a mellow ball is what my my brain is thinking anyways. And this one has a fiji So again, the Bulls start the draft. They They're the team that starts the draft this year. No, no one really knows what they're doing. CBS Sports, NBC Sports, I mean. What do they have? So they have Edwards going one, Wiseman two. They have Onyinka Akongwu from the Charlotte Hornets, from USC going to the Hornets. He has a foot injury. I don't know if that will hurt his draft stock or anything. I think he's a very talented, and he got a lot of upside. But will that hurt his draft stock? Only time will tell with that. But if I'm – so let's go on Twitter too because, again – I need. I want to make the most logical pick for the Chicago Bulls. So if we search the Chicago Bulls on the Twitter machine, what will come up? So we got draft day. They got the city jerseys popping up. The Philadelphia Sixers are deep negotiations. The Bulls involve Zach Levine, Josh Richardson. Okay, now that's that's not a verified account, so I don't really care about what that person has to say. Bulls have discussed trading number two, trading up to number two with, for Wendell Carter going to the Hornets or the Warriors so we'll see I think the Bulls really will try to move for LaMelo Ball tonight so we'll see if that actually does happen but if they do not who do I want to pick this is this is hurting my brain a little bit again I would like the Bulls to take Tyrese Halliburton if they don't end up trading up to get uh LaMelo Ball so you know what just for fun just for fun I will say the Bulls will draft Tyrese Halliburton with the fourth overall pick. Again, this is what I would do. I'm not the Bulls. I'm not going to tell them what to do. So I will say they'll get Halliburton. And then the Cavaliers run up to this table next, get Denny Avidia from Israel, Maccab Macab- Tel Aviv. Same thing that went to Dragon Bender. Very talented dude over in Israel. I'm stuck, but I don't know who the Bulls want. They want four people, and I'm just going to go with Halliburton because that's what I want. <laughs> that's kind of what I would hope for the atlanta hawks what do the atlanta hawks want to do i've heard them linked with tyrese halliburton as well they've been linked with him quite a bit let's see what the what the twitter machine is saying about the atlanta hawks in the draft tyrese halliburton's one that i've been seeing a lot on mock drafts what do we have here we're not really seeing a lot of things for the hawks draft pick well, this is disappointing. This is very, very disappointing. I didn't get anything out of that. I didn't. I didn't help myself at all there. Because if you look here, Danny Avia going to the Atlanta Hawks. There, you know what? Let's do. So you look at the Hawks depth chart. They don't have. They have Cam Reddish at the Ford. Uh, Hunter at the small forward spot. Huter at shooting guard. Where do they go from here? You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go with. What did Cameron Ish do last year? He was just average, right? He was just a very bang average player. How much points did he average? Ten points a game. You know what? We're gonna we're gonna go with Obi Toppin. Yeah, made the pick. I'm I confident with that. No, I have not done my due diligence on research for the NBA draft. So I apologize for this is not the most accurate mock draft you have ever seen in your entire life. But the Detroit Pistons next. You look at what they've got. They don't have really anybody at the point guard spot, I'm going to have them taking Killian Hayes, the United States player that was playing overseas in France. He'll be their point guard for the New York or for the Detroit Pistons. Uh, The New York Knicks. I think this is the stop of the fall of, okay, let's see what Twitter's saying about Onyenka. See if, because he has a foot, the foot injury might be really, really big. Is a fractured left toe, a source told ESPN the injury considered minor, required two, three, one, two, three weeks of West. West. Expect, not expected impact his draft stock. So, do I want to go back and say the Hawks would take him and then Obi Toppin goes to the Knicks? That's kind of what I'm feeling right now. That is kind of what I am feeling right now, if I'm being 100% honest. So, let's redo this. Let's go back. Let's try to remember what I did <laughs> because this is just, this thing is just a shambles right now. Goodness gracious! Okay, so we had Anthony Edwards going one, then we had James Wiseman going number two. We had Lamelo Ball going number three. Then we had Tyrese Halliburton going four. Again, this is again, this is just what I want. I don't. This is not like I did research because if I was doing that, I would say Avidia or uh, Patrick Williams. From what I've heard. But I'm going to go with what I want, and that's Tyrese Halliburton, or just a point guard, pass-first point guard. I think that would really help the Bulls' offense. Number six, the Atlanta Hawks. This is where we change and go on Yanka. Then the Detroit Pistons will have them selecting Killian Hayes. And then the New York Knicks will have them taking Ain't No Stoppin' Obi Toppin. a very Knicks-style player there, I think. Now we now the draft starts again with the Washington Wizards. What do the Wizards do here? We'll go with Isaac Okuru because I feel like they're going to trade Bradley Beal at some point. And that's just what my gut's telling me right now. I think Isaac Okuru for the Washington Wizards. Again, not doing a lot of research here. I'm going off what my gut's telling me. and My gut's been wrong many, 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 many times before. Now with the Phoenix Suns, they just got Chris Paul. So big moves for the Phoenix Suns. Let's see. They have them taking Killian Hayes, 6'5 point guard. I will have the Phoenix Suns, since I already have Killian Hayes gone. I'll have them taking Patrick Williams from Florida State to play the three spot. Now, if this is 100% right, you guys owe me something. Because this is some (laughs) high-level analysis that you were getting by listening to the Logan Blackwood show. Again, I am not confident in this mock draft whatsoever. So do not bash me. As if I'm claiming this is gospel and that this is going to be 100% right. Because I know that this is not going to be 100% right. It might not be anywhere close to being right. But you know what? We're trying. We are having fun and we are trying. So you got to stop giving me so much hate for this. Because I am trying my hardest. Okay? It's hurt my feelings that you don't think I'm trying very hard. okay now that we're done that we're done with that now uh what's a very style Spurs style of player I don't know you know what I think we're done (laughs) I think we're gonna cap it off at 10 because I have done a very bad job at following the draft this offseason and this sprung up on me out of freaking nowhere so That's what I've got for my mock draft. I'm not even going to post it anywhere. If you've got this part of the show, I apologize for my in-depth analysis. Actually, I don't apologize for my in-depth analysis of this draft. And (laughs) have fun watching the draft tonight. Uh, Cheer on the Bulls. Let's hope where they get someone good and don't reach on somebody. I've heard them linked, as I said, with a bunch of pieces. If they want to trade to get LaMelo, they want to draft Halliburton, they want to draft... Patrick Williams or Avila, I will back it 100% because I trust this front office and coaching staff. And with that being said, I will see you guys later. Again, enjoy the draft and peace.